Amen. Well, welcome again, Relentless Church, a new day, a new month, a new time period, daylight savings. Welcome online crew. And this is, uh, this is an extra sensitive day uh, in the inner circle of our church. And we don't really have an inner circle, but we do um, value leadership. We pray a lot for unity in our body, right? As a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God, um, we, there's all kinds of scripture and the you know, that talks about us seeking unity. Uh, we have to extra focus on that to keep our unity because we come not just racially, but we just come from different places. Some of us have been serving Jesus for a long time. Some of us are brand new to this. Um, some of us grew up in church. A lot of us didn't. And we come from different countries and different languages and different uh, skin colors and all of that. Like, so we have to pray that and believe that the gospel is enough to keep us together. Amen. Amen. All right. So that's how we approach that. That we, we, It's not just going to accidentally happen. Like we're all good people. We'll get along. That's not how it is. We have to seek out unity and pray for unity and work on unity. And, and where that begins in a church, if you didn't know, is, is with the leadership. And our leadership is, is, we have several leaders, but it's basically in our staff. Right? So if the staff isn't together in the gospel, then there's no way the church is going to be together, right? So we have to stay together as a church, as a body, but that starts with our leaders, and we got several leaders we're training up, and it definitely has to happen and work in our staff. And there's five or six of us, depending on how you count it, and Joy and Raph and I are uh, the, the ones that are blessed to get to do this full time, and, and then Seth and Takesha are able to give on top of their other job part time, to and, and we, are, we are growing and we are learning, but today, church, is a day where we got to pray through our unity because our beloved Carolina Panthers are playing against Raph's beloved New England Patriots, right? And, and I just sent something happening between us even this week. It was, our, something wasn't right. He's not even here. He's not even in the building. Don't judge him. He is in Charlotte, North Carolina. He will be in Bank of America Stadium in just a few hours to boldly root against our Panthers. So pray for him. Pray that he will be a good loser, right? That he will take it like a man and it will not mess up anything that God is trying to accomplish in our church. I'm kidding. Not really. I'm not kidding at all. So it's, it's, it's like we don't play the Patriots much and it's, uh, it's a challenge. So as you watch the game today, pray through it. Pray um, that everything will be okay. Uh, I want to I ask you a personal question. I want you to participate. Everything's better when you participate uh, I'm going to ask you, sometimes we ask you to answer questions in your head. I'm going to ask you to answer this one like with a hand in a second. So basic question, I'm not going to give you any context or lead in. Just, just be real. Where are you most likely to lose your mind? I'm going to give you, there's a bunch of options, right? Let me give you four. A, traffic. Don't vote yet. A is traffic. B is at a sports event, right? Now that can be uh, your kid's game, it could be your game and rec and dorm and campus. It could be watching a game from a seat in a stadium. It could be, you know, watching on TV, all right? So in, in, the, in the heat of battle or watching your team, I uh, see on Black Friday, right? Shopping and when things get crazy going after something. Or D, 
Pastor, I would never. Right? I, I'm cool. Like, I don't lose. I haven't lost my mind since whatever, whatever. Right? So maybe, maybe you're like, where's the all of the above, Mark? Right? Man, you need some. We'll, we'll help you out, right, if that's you. But is there one that you're more likely to lose your mind? Let me, let me see my traffic people. That's, that's my road ragers. Oh, gracious, church, we have a majority. All right. Let me see my sports folks. All right, I'm, I'm with you. And then let me see my, my Black Friday, somebody trips you going after that fidget spinner or whatever. I don't know why I said fidget spinner. Those have been gone for years. But. And then uh, our holy D, our, uh, I would never, I don't get mad. Hey, all right. Two holy Jesus folks. All right. I appreciate the realness. So here, here's, here's a story I'll tell that helps me. God has used this story in my life as we get to this series, Just As, and you don't need to know what that means. Um, we're going to learn it here together. But uh, I'm a pretty... I'm a pretty calm guy overall, right? We all have our moments. But there's one uh, scenario. Have you ever heard of upward basketball? Is that, is that around? I haven't seen it as much here. We were in Kentucky at the time, and there's this thing called upward basketball. And it's, it, gets a, it gets a bad rap, and sometimes it earns it. But it's, it's been used to share the gospel with all kinds of people, so I'm for it for that. But it's like a um, everybody wins kind of basketball league. Right, And you, you, you have to guard the player with the same color wristband so that there's no mismatches, which, you know, if you know basketball, the whole point is to get a mismatch. You have to play every kid the exact same amount of time, and it's just whatever, whatever word you want to call. So we were doing that in Kentucky. Uh, Jackson and Mia had just started like six or seven, um, and I was coaching. Jackson was excited about this year, and we were going to find a way to like dominate upward basketball, even though that's completely not the point of upward basketball. <laughs> And it was in that season, my dad had been sick, um, and we got the call, and it was getting really bad. So we went home. Home is Winston-Salem, North Carolina, uh, for us. So we went home, um, and it was the end of days for my dad. Well, it ended up kind of like so often doctors are, are wrong in what they think. It ended up drawing up what was going to be days into weeks. And eventually, in February of, of 2012, my dad went on to be with Jesus. We got to be with him in that moment. And then we had you know, funeral planning and stuff to take care of for my mom and all that. So all of that, that's not what the story, all of that, when we got back to Kentucky, we missed four games. So we'd been there for a game, and then we were gone for four or five games of an eight-game season. Right, so, so I was supposed to be coaching. I hadn't been there, right? Our team was struggling. They kind of keep score, but we kept score. We were losing, right? So we're, we're back, and here I am. I have an older brother, so as a, as a younger brother, but as a son, trying to figure out, some of you have walked through that, trying to figure out what is life with your earthly father gone, right? And I was, uh, I was dealing as best as I thought I could, but there was stuff in me that I was still not even aware of. And I go to coach this first game. It's just good to be in a gym and good to like get my mind off everything and good to watch. And, and, there, and Jackson's out there doing his thing and, and dominating, um, but we're getting housed, man. We're getting smashed as far as the school. Work. And then I'm starting to think as the coach, I'm starting to think, man, my dad will never see my kids 
Like he loved seeing their sports and, and they, were just, they were just starting and he's never, and I was like, man, I was about to lose it on the sideline and, and, and I just have all this mix of emotions. And it gets to the fourth quarter uh, at this age, like at the kindergarten age, they don't even keep score. At this age, they keep score, but they don't let you lose by more than 10. So you can be down 50 and the scoreboard will say 10. Well, we were down 10, right? <laughs> So it was over, just a few minutes left, and there's a rotation, and I don't remember exactly what I was thinking. I just was like, man, Jackson hasn't got to play for a month. He's missed one season. So I just put him in, even though like they give you a little formula, like you put this kid in at this time, like so they all have the exact same minutes. I didn't care. I put him in, right? And he starts dominating like he, like he does, um, but the game was over because we were so far down. Well, the other coach starts mouthing, hey, he's not supposed to be in. Right? He's not, it's not his turn, right? And he's saying it to the ref, right? And I'm thinking, are you serious right now? My dad died. He doesn't know that. My dad died. This is my, well, you already beat us. You got to win. And you're tracking, like, keep care of your team. Now you're knowing. And he was right. He was completely right. We were cheating, right? I wasn't cheating to win. I was cheating because he had missed a month of the season and I didn't care. But, but he said that to the rest. And, the kind of came, and, and for a moment, I was just like, I'm just going to sit down. And then I thought, I'm in a church. It was the church I worked at. I'm, I'm coaching my son in the church I work at. And I just said to myself, like, if that dude says anything to me, I'm walking in his face, right? And if he's got more to say, I'm probably going to punch him in his face in the church in the name of Jesus, right? <laughs> And I was this little, and now the game, he didn't say anything to me, and there was no, there's no like, crazy story with that. That's the end of it. But man, I was a, I was a volcano. Like, he, he didn't do anything wrong. Like, come on, whatever. But, you know, he, didn't, he was right technically in what he was saying. And, and I just, it just needed, it was like this forest fire that if somebody just dropped a little tiny match, like I was going to probably lose my mind, my job, maybe spend a night in jail. Who knows how that might have gone, right? And that's real. So I can feel those emotions and that feelings. He had no idea. And, and God has used that over and over and over again. When I'm in traffic, when I'm in, when the parent is just losing their mind, seeing it over and over and over. Shopping, I can't help you as much. There's this thing, I don't know if you guys, I'm gonna blow your mind. There's this thing, online shopping. It's crazy. You don't have to go out there with all the madness. But I don't deal with that as much. But anytime I'm in that situation, I try to think of, man, what might this person be walking through? And caring, because I'm not that guy that I was at today, but I was that close from being a headline. And it would have been my fault. It's not an excuse. Don't hear me saying like, hey, if you're going through some tough stuff, you can do whatever you want. And it's like, they would have been all on me if I would have lost it in that moment. But there was some factors that mattered. So I try to approach people that way and really believe like that dude that just cut me off, like he might have a medical emergency. Now, statistically, he probably doesn't. But I'm going to, guess what? I'm going to think that he does. And it's actually changed my life to give people the best benefit of the doubt that I possibly can. To, 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 to think, you know, the dude just showing himself at a sporting event with kids involved, like he, he may have just crazy stuff going on in his life. Now, some of y'all, you're just bad drivers. Right? So you're making people lose their mind every day, and it's not because you got anything going on in your life. You just don't know how to drive well. I don't know what to do for you. But as us being cut off, as us, what, what would keep us, what would help us 
Or should we even care? Like, we're Jesus people. How great. Like, the Lord, we just sang about his greatness, and I'm building my life on your love. Does he really care, like, if we lose our mind in these situations? Here's our text. We believe that Scripture did not come from man about God. We believe that Scripture came from the heart of God and was communicated through man. And our text for the month of November is going to be this simple verse in Ephesians chapter 4, written to a church in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, a multi-ethnic church, trying to figure it out. The Holy Spirit gave them and us these simple words. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Right? If somebody, fellas, fellas that go, that have kids playing sports, fellas that are in sports, we got some young people in their sports in middle school, high school, college. Like, does that, does that count? Like, do you, I kind of felt like there was an exception to sports on these kind of verses, right? Kind and compassionate, because it kind of sounds soft, right? And we'll, we'll talk about the difference a little bit in the series, but there's supposed to be an overarching description of us, male, female, young, old, wherever you go, we're supposed to bring kindness and compassion. There's another translation that word compassion. Some of your uh, translations will say tender hearted. That your heart is tender towards your fellow human- humanity, whoever, even the people that drive you nuts. Well, that's great, right? Be kind and compassionate to one another. That's not new, it's not earth shattering, it's important. It's foundational, but this series is, is going to be specifically about one way that that looks, what kind and compassionate looks like specifically, and it's after that comma, be kind and compassionate one another, comma, forgiving each other. That's specifically the kind and compassionate follower of Jesus, that's going to show up in how we forgive this is, this is how we live kind and compassionate. There's a lot of ways to, to live out kind and compassionate, right? More, but specifically here and other places, there's a, there's, a, there's a central anchor to kind and compassionate. It's how we view those that wrong us. That's so hard, right? If you're good to me, I got so much kindness and compassionate, it's oozing, Right? The, more, the better you are to me, the more kind and compassionate, the easier it is. But he didn't. He, why did he have to go there? Holy Spirit, why? Be kind and compassionate to each other, period. That should have been a period. But it's a comma. Forgiving one another. Forgiving. What does that mean? Right? You've heard that word. It's a Bible word, but it's a, it's a word in, in our culture. It's, biblically, it simply means to cancel to cancel a debt, sometimes forgiveness has is, is got some financial tones to it. It's something is owed and that debt is forgiven. For you and I, it's when we are wronged and we let the wrong, the person that did the wrong, we let it go. We don't hold it on their account. We don't hold on to it in our heart. We're kind and compassionate. What does that look like? Forgiving. We are the debt cancelers. Relationally, that's who we are and what we do. Now, that scares some of you, right? Some of you are already thinking, maybe this is the series I don't come back to. I'll catch you all at the Christmas 
series, right? Because some of you, God's going to highlight some things in the next few weeks. They're going to be really, but some of you know five minutes ago, as soon as we saw the word for you, you know that there's somebody, and maybe they're alive, maybe they're not, that you have been holding on and you don't want to even think about letting that go. We're praying. Right? We're praying because there's a lot of spiritual battle in this series because we believe there's some of you in the room and there's some of you online whose life is going to be completely different from November 2021 forward because God in his strength, not in my, God in his strength is going to help you let something go that you've been holding on to. Some of you, some of you for decades. It's power. In this, well, well, what kind of forgiveness are we talking? Because our kind and compassionate one another, I wanted a period. He gave us a comma, forgiving each other, and he gave us another comma. What kind of forgiveness are we talking about? Here's our series title Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Oh man, as if it couldn't get any worse with the kind and compassionate now through forgiveness. Well, what kind of forgiveness? The same kind, just as God forgave you in Christ, that's the kind of forgiveness that's supposed to be going back and forth in this room and in traffic and in arenas and on Black Friday. What? That's a high, high bar, Lord, to ask us to, how, what? But they, there's so many problems with that. And some of them are deep, and we're going to get into some of the deeper problems with that in the next few weeks. But for today, can we just sit in what God's forgiveness is? Because evidently, what we're receiving is what we're supposed to be giving. So if we don't know what we've received, we're not going to be able to give it to anybody else. So in God's forgiveness, what what is that? He's canceled our debt. Here's some crazy Verse, this is from Old Testament, written almost 2,500, 3,000 years ago in Micah 7. He says, he will again have compassion on us, God. He will tread our iniquities, that's another word for sin, underfoot. You, God, will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Right, why did he use that? He could have said, cast all of our debts, all of our sins into the depths, uh, you know, of a, of a trash can, of a, of a valley, of a desert, of a river. There's a lot of things to throw our sins into. Why in God, if, if scripture is from the heart of God, not from man, why would he specifically use, I'm going to cast your sins into the depths of the sea of all places? Like back then when that was written, nobody knew how deep the sea even was. Do you know how deep the sea is? Well, let's, let's find out together. Let's do a little science, a little, little three-minute science detour. Check out this video, The Depths of the sea. Just how deep does the ocean go? If you took the highest point on land and submerged it, you would still have more than a mile between you and the deepest point in the oceans. The oceans harbor 99% of all living space on Earth and have enough water to fill a bathtub that's 685 miles long on each side. For scale, here's a human and here's a blue whale, the largest animal on Earth. Blue whales usually hunt at depths of around 330 feet within the well-lit zone of the ocean. Deeper down, at 700 feet, the USS Triton became the first submarine to circumnavigate the Earth in 1960. At 831 feet, we reached the deepest free dive in recorded history. Down here, the pressure is 26 times greater than at the surface, which would crush most human lungs. But whales manage it, diving to a max depth of 1,640 feet where they hunt giant squid. 
At 2,400 feet, we reach the danger zone for modern nuclear attack submarines. Any deeper, and the submarine's hull would implode. 2,722 feet down is where the tip of the world's tallest building, the Burj Khalifa, would reach. A little farther, at 3,280 feet, we're deep enough that sunlight can't reach us. We've now entered the midnight zone. Many animals down here can't see, like these eyeless shrimp at 7,500 feet who thrive near scalding, hot underwater volcanoes. At this depth, temperatures are just a few degrees above freezing, but the waters around hydrothermal vents can heat up to 800 degrees Fahrenheit. 9,816 feet is the deepest any mammal has been recorded swimming, the cuvier beaked whale. But not even the cuvier beaked whale could explore the RMS Titanic, which rests at a staggering depth of 12,500 feet. The pressure is now 378 times greater than at the surface. Yet you can still find sea life, like the fangtooth, hagfish, and Dumbo octopus, the deepest living octopus on Earth. At 20,000 feet is the Hadal Zone, an area designated for the ocean's deepest trenches, like the Mariana Trench. If you tipped Mount Everest into the Mariana Trench, its summit would reach down to 29,029 feet. That still doesn't compare to the two deepest crewed missions in history. In 2012, director James Cameron descended to 35,756 feet for the Deep Sea Challenger mission. But Cameron didn't quite break the record, which was set by oceanographer Jacques Picard and Lieutenant Don Walsh in 1960. Picard and Walsh descended to the lowest point on Earth, Challenger Deep, at a record 35,797 feet below the surface. Since then, scientists have sent half a dozen unmanned submersibles to explore Challenger Deep, including Keiko, which collected over 350 species off the seafloor between 1995 and 2003. But scientists estimate there are potentially thousands of marine species we have yet to discover. Humans have explored an estimated 5 to 10% of Earth's oceans. We've only just begun to understand the deep, dark world that flows beneath us. All right. Science nerds, geeks, you love that, right? It's amazing. All the technology we have in 5 or 10% is all we know. And yet, thousands of years ago, God called through this Holy Spirit, Micah, to tell us, hey, I'm going to have compassion on you, and I'm going to forgive you of your sins, and I'm going to throw them. I'm going to cast them out into the depths of the sea. That's how far and away from us. Christians in the room, we're a church for the untold, unconvinced. We, we are blessed. Even in this pandemic, almost every week, there's somebody in the room that's not sure if Jesus died for their sins, rose from the dead, if he's worth living for. We're so thankful for you and that you're here. You're in the right place. We see God move over and over and over again. For those in the room that said, I made a decision for Jesus, do you live and feel as if your worst and your sins have been cast to the depths of the sea? It feels and looks like often we're living and walking with our sins on our shoulders instead of where they belong. Here, here's another beautiful verse in Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes our transgressions from us. How far is the east from the west? Really far. 
right? The depths of the sea, we don't even know how deep it is. The east and the west are never, ever going to touch. Those are the examples that God visually gave us to let us know. I am a God of compassion and forgiveness. And when you come to me and when you trust me, when you put your faith in me, when you surrender your life to me and Jesus, when that happens, your sin is gone. How gone? It's not just canceled like you think. Like it's gone. Like depths of the sea, east from the west, never, ever gone. That should affect your Monday morning. No matter what's going on, tomorrow again, here's my favorite way that Romans says it. Blessed, Romans 3, blessed are those whose sins are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin will never be counted against them. That changes my day, my sin. It's not that I don't have it. It's not that I haven't committed and chosen sin and rebelled against God. It's that my sin will never be counted against me. Or you got to get into the emotion of that in order to understand just as. Right, we, we were talking about a story of my family who's sitting over here and they're still, like most, you know, I, get, I learned years ago, I got to get permission to tell these stories on them. And, and there's almost always agreement on the facts of the story. This one, there is not. Still to this day, and I don't know, it was probably 10 years ago, uh, they were staying, or my three kids were staying with um, Kelly's mom and dad, Wayne and Luann, who most of you know was Poppy and Nanny around this church, and, and we were off doing something, and, and somewhere in this stay, one of my kids, and they still say it was each other, they won't even own who it was, somebody was on an iPad, one of those old iPads, and they were playing a, a game that we think was some Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles version, and it was one of those games where you could buy like outfits and stuff in the early days of iPad and games. And, and on this iPad that belonged to my, my mother and father-in-law, like there was no, like you didn't have to put in a credit card, you just hit okay. Well, somebody, somebody racked up on Raphael and Donatello and there was a hundred dollar charge from this little dumb iPad game. Now, we, Kelly and I, we just found out about this like two years ago, right? It was handled in-house, and I don't know how you feel about that. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I wanted to know that my kid was charging up all this stuff, but, you know, if you know Poppy and Nanny and full of grace and compassion, they handled it. I don't know the conversation. I can't get the truth out. Some of my kids say that they called the company and got a refund. Maybe they did. That sounds like a very Poppy Nanny thing to tell them. Oh, we got a refund, right? I don't know if they paid the 100 bucks for that game. I know that no kid got in trouble and I know that mom and dad were kept in the dark until it just came up a few years ago. Like, remember when? I was like, what, what, whoa, what? You did, what? Right, and, and in that, in their little, like at that time, you know, they, they had no money. A hundred bucks might as well be a million dollars. They don't have money, right? They had a few bucks in their, in their little bank account or whatever, and their, you know, in a gift card. Like, they, if they had to pay that back, like, what are they gonna do? Five, six, seven, eight, whatever they were back then, but they didn't have to because it was removed. So for them, the emotion of, oh, whoever did it, right? Who, who, oh, I've done something. I don't even understand what I've done, but I know it's a lot. I know it's bad and I can't pay it back, but somebody handled it, right? And, and that's a good analogy, but not great because it's not the same of needing our sins Handled. It's not the same of the cost, right? A hundred bucks does not compare to the perfect blood of Jesus. 
That's the forgiveness that we've received. And when we talk about Romans, right, that blessed is those whose sin will never count against them. Sometimes we worry that people will hear the message of the gospel and think, if my sins will never count against me, woo, then I can do what I want. And that's such a ridiculous fear. I lived in that fear for a decade of my ministry thinking, man, if I preach the full gospel, people will hear that and they'll go just do whatever they want because they can be forgiven. And what I've learned and what scripture teaches is that God will not be mocked. Right, so if you see the beauty of forgiveness and grace and think, oh, I can get away, like God will not be mocked, that's in scripture. And in fact, the grace and beauty of forgiveness, it actually teaches you the opposite of going and doing what you want. Here's a beautiful verse in Titus that says, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It, what is it? Grace, forgiveness, love, mercy. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. So the closer you get to the gospel of grace and forgiveness, the more God teaches you through grace to run from worldly passions and nonsense and stuff that's destructive and harmful to us. So we don't have to worry about living this and preaching this and declaring this and believing this. So to bring life to forgiveness this morning, this patient God, this kind, compassionate God. It's important not to dwell on your sin. It's been removed from you. But it is important to remember what's been removed, what God no longer sees in your account and how it got removed. What it cost. It wasn't a free gift. It's free to us, but the cost was perfect Jesus coming on our behalf. You know, I'm a, I'm a dad, right? We have a heavenly father, and he loves us for us to call him father, which is so amazing. I'm an earthly father trying to do the best I can, and with his help, obviously, but I blow it. Uh, even this week or last week, I was so excited because it's been a long time uh, since we had, there's a Chinese uh, food place around the corner, and it's the best. Uh, it's called New Rainbow, if you want to get the best Chinese in Wake County. And, and we just hadn't had it in a long time. And I was like really excited about returning to this place. And, and all uh, three of my kids, um, we all get the same thing, General Tso's chicken with white rice. And it's a huge helping. You can make a couple meals out of it. And it was good. And I, I knocked mine out in one day, half for lunch, half for dinner. Um, and then the next day, I, I just, entitlement, Sometimes, you know, lack of gratitude, it just runs all over me. And I saw like an empty container with the broccoli, because of course the kids don't eat the broccoli. Who's going to New Rainbow for the broccoli? And it was just an empty container just laying on the counter as if the maid would come by and handle it. We don't have a maid, by the way. And I was like, kids, seriously, who? Who left, who left this out? And it wasn't going to be a big deal. It wasn't going to like, it was just, just, Tell me who did it, throw away this. Oh, nobody. Oh, no, you know, Mia ate hers, Mia wasn't there, and then the two boys, and I was like, okay, I know it wasn't Mia, but Kelly had told me. So, so, so Jackson or Eli, just like it's, we've all done it, just like who left your, 
your stuff out. And they immediately start to blame the other one. It can't be me because, and so then I, so then I say out loud, okay, so now instead of just owning and making a simple thing, now we're going to argue about how it wasn't me and we're going to do everything to the ends of the earth instead of just own that, yes, I was the one that left it out. And then calmly, over time, both boys demonstrate that they have their container in their fridge with their name on it and it can't possibly be theirs which only leaves one person. And after much investigation, I don't remember, but it had to be me. And all my excitement to warm that up, and I probably got distracted. I probably was going to pray for somebody, right? And real, I probably had to go pray. You, you don't, I, it's, it's a lot, right? So, but in, <laughs> joking, it was definitely mine, right? And I had to, Say, you know, apologize to my kids, and that, that, was, that was mine. That's, that's on me. And, and I just thought, and coming into this, it's like I'm trying. But, but, man, I got so many issues of myself, and I'm trying to raise kids and, and show mercy, even when they do blow it, right, and show mercy appropriately through God's wisdom. But, but then thinking about a perfect father who who never has to do what I did, who never is like, you know what? I messed that one up. I blew that one. I was wrong. I, I made the wrong decision. I, I, he never has to come back and say, yeah, I could have done that better. Never. He's perfect. He's holy. And yet, he's the giver of mercy. He's a relentless God. He just keeps showing up again on November 7th, 2021, excited to take your sin, if you'll give it to him and trust him with your life, to take your sin and throw it from the east to the west, to cast it into the depths of the sea, to say that you will be a man or woman one day that will face him face to face, and he will not even know what you're talking about. What sin? It's who he is. It's who he loves to be. It's not too good to be true. And this, this is a God and Father who knows everything there is to know about you. He knows every situation where you almost did something. He knows every situation where you did do something, thought something. He knows what you're thinking. He knows everything, and yet he is more than willing to forgive, to remove to save. That's the mercy of God. So we use this phrase a lot, the vertical and the horizontal. So the vertical relationship with God leads then to the horizontal relationship with each other. That's what we're about. And there's, a, there's kind of some trends today in culture that want to kind of make you pick and God never calls us to pick, right? There's some trends that say, you know what? I, I, can't, I can't really, I'm scared of a personal, relational transformational, intimate deal with a living, powerful God who may know everything about me. So they, they just run from that and they just decide, you know what, I'm just going to love people. And, and hopefully if there's a good God and he'll be cool with that, right? I'm just going to love people and I'm really going to distance, right? And that's not the gospel and that's not Jesus, that's not Christianity. And then there's another group of people that go the opposite way of, right? Like, hey, I'm all about God and I'm going to sing and I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to go have a worship service in the woods because God will meet me there. And I don't do church because I can't deal with people. Right? And if, you know, the old funny, not funny line of like, church would be awesome if it wasn't for one thing. What's that? The people. Ah, oh, right? That hurts. Right? So, and people are messed up. Right? We, we know that. But, but God doesn't 
put things in those buckets. He says it's all one bucket and it starts with me and you. But as you get to know me and as you worship me and as you come after me and as you allow me to transform, here's who it's going to spill out on. Everybody in your life. And you cannot say, I am loving you, God. I just can't stand people. Right? The John who hung out with Jesus and wrote what we call the letters 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He wrote in 1 John 2, 9, he said, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Like, think about that, y'all. That's, that's not saying, hey, we all got issues. Right? That's saying... If you think that you're a Jesus person, if you think you're saved, if you think you're going to heaven, if you think you're in relationship with God, if you think, hey, I've been rescued, as we say, rescued and adopted, if you think you're in the light, but you still think it's okay to hate somebody because they're not like you, because they look different than you, live different than you, vote different than you, whatever, if you want to hate somebody, you're not in process, you're actually still in the darkness. You're not on team Jesus. We're all in process, but if you want to hate somebody and then justify it as people have done through centuries with scripture, it's clear. You want to hate somebody. You're not in the light. Now there's hope for you. We're not mad at you. We want to see you come to the light, but the problem is you already think you're in the light. So John had to be real clear. Listen, if you think you're in the light, you're hating somebody, you're still in the darkness. And it's not just about not hating, right? That's not the goal of today or setting up this series just as. The, goal, the, the, the verse was like, hey, try not to hate people. It's better than that. It's be kind, compassionate, tenderhearted. What's that look like? It looks like forgiving each other. What, what do we mean by that? What kind of, what level, how much? Just as. Just as you've been forgiven which means we're going to cancel some debts this series. We're going to say to some people, maybe out loud, maybe not, we'll get to all that. We're going to say in our hearts, I'm letting that go. I'm giving that to God. You don't owe me anymore. And I know how problematic that is. And I know that some of you, maybe most of you, I think I would be, hey, they don't, you don't know the, my deal, right? The person that you're talking about that I'm holding stuff against, they don't deserve forgiveness. And that's the point. That's the power of those words, just ask. Because for you to say, I'm going to withhold forgiveness because they don't deserve it, would mean you deserve it. That the powerful, all-knowing, loving God owed you the blood of a perfect, holy, sinless Jesus died on the cross, defeated death so that we could have hope and mercy and forgiveness. It's not what we believe. And yes, it leads to some hard questions and we're not gonna shy away from those over the next few weeks. But today, we just wanted to sit in the depths of the sea in the east and the west and how good it is that we don't have to walk out of here with our sins attached to us. And how that changes our lives, changes our church. You know, there's a line that you've heard, maybe I don't love it. It says, when you, when you refuse to forgive someone, it's like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. You heard that? 
And there's truth in that line. But I don't love it because it makes you look like an idiot. Right? If it's me and my enemy up here, which today, Raph Gonzalez, if it's, if, it's, if it's me and Raph up here and I'm drinking poison, I'm just looking at him, like waiting for him to drop, like, what an idiot. Like, right? So some of you are, it's spiritual battle and it's not your fault and you were, it's awful. Your story is awful. And I'm not going to sit up here and say, hey, if you don't forgive that person, you're an idiot. It's not that simple. <laughs> right? It's really hard. In fact, it's not possible on your own. Strength. That's where God comes in and, and shows up. We're going to see that. I don't think you're an idiot if you're having trouble forgiving somebody. I think you're human. And I think we can identify all of us in the room that are humans. But I think God's going to do some beautiful things as we learn to live this out in this series. You know, I don't know how this is going to hit you depending on where you're sitting. All right, we got these new lights. All right, and I wondered. Uh-huh, got you. That's what I wanted, right? So it's not, what we're talking about, this lifestyle, it's not you going out there and trying harder to be kind and compassionate, right? The source is the light, and you're not the source, and I'm not the source. The source is God's amazing, relentless love. And he could just shine that on people, and he does. But his favorite thing, and it's crazy, I don't fully understand, his favorite thing is not to shine it directed on your neighbor, but to shine it directly on your neighbor through your life. That we are the mirror, that he shines on us, and then whoever you're going to see this week, if God gives us a week, we get to come back next week, whoever comes into your contact, in your dorm, on your team, at your school, in your marriage, in your home, in your neighborhood, at your job, whoever, you're a reflection. I'm kind and compassionate. I don't feel like kind and compassionate today, but Jesus is in me, and he's going to help me. And he's going to shine on me, and people that come into contact with me are going to get hit with the light of Jesus. That's this beautiful prayer that I want you to begin praying. Maybe some of you pray it. You know, football teams, uh, even high school, public school, it's cool. They, they'll pray the Lord's Prayer as a tradition sometimes. Our Father, who art, if you're old school, right, who arted, I don't know how you art, but evidently the Father did it. Our Father who art, who is in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. We've preached all that. But then what does it say? Forgive us our sins. Or again, our trespasses. Or it's all the same thing. Forgive us our debts as we, our trespasses, we forgive those who have sinned against us. And packed into that line, it doesn't say there, but it says it in Ephesians, it says it in Colossians, it says it all through the New Testament, as we'll see in this series. What it's saying is with the same level of forgiveness and patience that I need, that's the level of patience and forgiveness that I want to give. Just as I've been forgiven, that's how free and generous I'm going to be with my forgiveness. And here's the hardest part. I'll end with this. Right, a lot of things we, we teach and, you know, the gospel and Esther was such a fun series, right? We, we, we live those things out. We're a church that's trying to like get to Monday. Sunday is, is not the game. Sunday's the pregame to go live this. Here's what's hard about this series. The only way you get to do this is if you're mistreated. If somebody wrongs you in some way. Right? If I'm never wrong to you, then I'm never going to need your forgiveness. So the only way this shows up in life is when you're wronged. And you will be, right? You, if you live life, it's going to happen. 
But the only way to exercise this truth out and this just as series out, the only way that you're going to change and be changed by God is through being mistreated. And some of that stuff that's already happened that God wants you to deal with, and some of that stuff that hasn't even happened, it may happen this week, and it's gonna, you're going to be mistreated. And, and what God wants to put on your heart is, God, forgive me for my sins, and there are plenty. And in the same way, just as you've forgiven me, help this person receive. No matter how they respond, it's not about that. Just as you've given, help me give to others. Would you stand and let me pray that over you as we go live this life? Father, your mercy is overwhelming. God, there's still something about me. If you call me home today, there's still something about me that's like, oh, no. Because you are all-knowing and you've known everything I've thought and everything I've done. There's nothing hidden from you and you're, you're just bigger and, and ah, just to be in that moment and face-to-face and in your presence, there's still something messed up in me that's like, oh, no, thank you for the beauty of the gospel that you don't allow yourself to even know what I'm talking about, that you have removed my sin from me. My sin doesn't count against me. It doesn't identify me. It's not there. It's gone. It's canceled once and for all. It's amazing. God, help me live in that. Help us as a church just live in the truth that we've been forgiven, but not stop there. May we be this week, God, even in the hardest conversation relationship, you know, God, what we're dealing with. In the hardest place, may it be said that we are kind, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as you have forgiven us. Is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm looking forward to this series, church. Hope you'll be back for week two. And go Panthers.